My name is Debbie Estepellen, and I founded a nonprofit called Be in Awe of You. So that is my latest adventure. Um, I've done a lot of um, charity work and fundraising and those kinds mm-hmm. of things, and thought it was time for me to start my own and kind of follow my own passion and my own, um, yeah, my own desires of what I think I'm here for. Yeah. yeah. And what do you think you're here for? Um, I think in a nutshell, it's really to help guide young adults. Um, I feel like there's a lot of guidance for kids in, that are in um, junior high or younger than that. A lot of confidence building or, um, you know, kind of programs, after yeah. school kind of programs. And I'm not sure uh, why, but there's not a lot of programs for young adults. So teens, young um 20s mm-hmm. it seems like um, maybe either people feel a little bit intimidated of working with them or feel that um, maybe they push back a little harder yeah. which they do it is harder to get them involved right but they're actually the ones who need it because they're um, you know they're in a position to make life-changing decisions so and do you think do you think it's because two people think like at that point, you sh- like should have the tools to figure it out on your own. I um, possibly, yeah. Possibly. But I don't think any twenty-year-old, right? Is, like, well equipped enough to manage yeah. What's interesting there. is that I read a book called um, "Do Hard Things," and it was really great. They gave a history of the word teenager and how in the fifties, before the fifties, teenage the term teenager didn't even exist. Really, it used to be children and adults. Oh. Okay, so this whole teenager phenomenon came about and they get a bad rap because Mm -hmm. people started you know kind of generalizing well they're lazy or they don't they're not respectful blah 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 and what's interesting is that um these two students they were two brothers who wrote the book Mm -hmm. they happened to be homeschoolers or homeschooled their whole life So they were able to go out and do all these amazing things, like apply for these different things when they were 15 and work in the government because they lived in D.C. And um, and it's just one example of how students or how these young adults can go out and they can make changes in the world Mm -hmm. even at a very young age if they have the opportunity. Right. Um, and you know, the whole homeschooling public school, that's a whole different, a whole whole big topic. But I think one of the best advantages, especially for young adults when they're homeschooled is that they don't have that pressure of all of the homework Mm -hmm. and all of the, the social stresses and, um, all of that pressure of, you know, performing and being in sports and managing all of that and possibly even working part time. Um, they can really choose their own path mm. and study specifically what they want so that it, if it is a passion of your, theirs, they can um, just pursue that most specifically right. than taking classes that really have nothing to do with what they want to do with their future. So they get kind of a head start. Yeah, and, that's cool. Um, yeah, so they can start kind of diving into their own passion. Do you think it has to do with the fact that, like, our educational system is so structured and so focused on results that... Definitely. So, Definitely. like, so many kids can't be confined. Like, so many adults, if you look at the corporate world, can't be confined to eight hours a day at a desk. Exactly. And that, like, by the time you get home, whether you're in school... 
-hmm. and then you go play a sport after so by the time you get home then right what time do you have for yourself or to discover anything else exactly for play or creative time exactly and so then we put them into this really tough decision Mm -hmm. process of as soon as they're graduating or even before they're graduated they have to start visiting colleges visiting colleges to go and do something that they're not even sure that they want to do because they haven't had exposure to it. Now, there are some, um, from what I understand, there are some, and I've seen, there are some programs where they can go and, you know, do like cosmetology early Mm -hmm. or something and graduate at the same time. And that's great, you know, if they're learning a trade. Right. Um, But some, I believe some students are really just kind of herded into the whole college path and then they're herded into going and getting their own, um, their own, uh, what are they called? Financial aid. Yeah, like financial loans, aid. Their own loans. Yes, yeah. their own student loans, yeah. which are like hundreds of thousands of dollars sometimes. And then they're like, I don't even want to do this. Right. You know, <laughs> how did I end up here? And then I they're heard. in crisis format. Right? Yeah, crisis and then you're stage. in survival yes. mode. Yes. And you're like, yes. okay, now you have a big kid job, but because your loans are so great, now yes. you're saddled with all this yes. debt at such a young age. And yes. you're trying to like still figure out your life, but you're stuck with this job you didn't want because you went to right. school and you have these right. loans for something you're unsure about. Right, and if you maybe had just had some time yeah. or some some guidance in um, some opportunities and, you know, a little bit less of the schoolwork Mm -hmm. to be able to do all of these things. I I don't know about you, but there's a lot of people that I talked to that hated high school. Oh, yeah. Right? It seems to be like a common theme and it's like, okay, the ones that did like high school Mm -hmm. might be somebody like my husband. He loved sports. Right. He was a, you know, he was a jock and, you know, popular and all that stuff. Yeah. Well, so he loved high school. That was a positive environment for him. Yet, did he really need to be in high school? Probably not. He didn't. He never did his homework. Right. He never studied. He just went and he got A's. Yeah, it just he wanted... Happened. It worked for him. Exactly. Right, but imagine what he could have done if he had not been in that situation right. and been able to go out and, you know, do other great things. So. And that's, yeah. It works for some people. It works for some. I Like, I'm a good test taker because I can memorize things. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I was able to pass my classes. Right. But what did I really learn? Like, I was memorizing, right, right. most of the or time. Or what do you remember? Teaching yeah. to the test. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the one, the classes I remember the most are the classes where you, like, had a little more freedom to be more creative. Mm-hmm. Or the teachers that allowed you to do that. Right. And were not so, like, hell-bent on following the rules or right. sticking to these certain criteria. But if you're a teacher, especially in high school, you have certain criteria, like marks you have to hit with your kids. Definitely. For funding, government funding, all those kinds of things. And going back all the way to the beginning of why schools were started was to teach people how to work in factories. Oh, really? That was the beginning of why school started. The hours were based around, like, their work days, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So they were at school, you know, like the farmers, you know, worked very early or, you know, until the sun went down and then that was kind of the end of it. Um, but for the, the students, they were there, um, they started learning just because mm-hmm. it was like a group environment. And then when factories started coming around, yeah. then they were taught how to, you know, they wanted them to be able to fall in line, follow a process, mm-hmm. do the same thing over and over again. And that's 
where we still are. Yeah. And that's when you get adults that don't know how to take risks or don't know how to make like actual educated decisions exactly. or, or young adults that don't know how to manage their lives. Exactly. No one ever, like, maybe you can memorize things. Like, you can look at a stack of note cards and, like, pass a test. But what is that? How does that apply in real life? Like, real-life decision-making. Right. Which is, I think, like, having a job probably while you're in school is really hard. I always had a job from 16. Mm -hmm. Um, But, like, it also teaches you that balance. And then there's a lot of real-life teaching that comes to play. Definitely. you're dealing with other people. You're, if you're dealing with money or finances or now you have money to manage of your own. Right. Dealing with authority. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Accountability. Scheduling. All of those things. Yes. But then, and if you like work in somewhere like a restaurant where it can be chaotic and it can be, then you have to think on your feet and like sure. you get all these other Yeah. There's definite skills you could be learning while taking some college classes. So yeah. like a lot of homeschoolers, what they do is they start taking college classes when they're 16. Oh. You know, there are some programs that will take them even earlier if you, you know, go through a couple yeah. of loops. But the point is, is that they get that they're ready to be learning these topics and they don't need to wait until that magic age of 18. Right. right? They can, if they're ready, if they're interested. And what's interesting is that, at least for me, college was totally different than going yeah. to school. I did not do well in school. Mm-hmm. I was not interested but when I went to college and chose classes that I was interested in, and then there were these dynamic teachers and they mm-hmm. didn't have to follow these specific rules, then they were able to teach you know, from their own personality, from their own right. passion. It's a lot easier to learn from those kind of teachers. Where and, did you go to college? Um, I went to like junior college here, okay. but then I moved to California, so then I finished up out there. Um, yeah, and I thought, all this time, I thought I wanted to be a nurse, so I I went, I was taking all these classes <laughs> to be a nurse, and I went to nursing school, got in there. Within the first couple of months, I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't do this. This is so sad. Like, people die. Yeah. <laughs> and I think the toughest part, when you, at least in California, when you start nursing school and you start actually working with patients... They have you work in the VA hospital. Or the senior homes. Right, or the yeah. Se- yeah, we didn't work in the senior home. But yeah. Oh my goodness, that was so sad. I think was- a lot of people have to go that route. Yeah. What's in yeah, and what's even funnier is that I have completely gone the opposite end of being like more into Eastern medicine and yeah. holistic healing for my family. So it, I don't know. I don't know where I got that idea. But your profession is not any <laughs> le- more lighthearted than being a nurse. Well, no, but I mean, <laughs> it's a little different. There's yeah. not as much blood. There's not That's older true. people dying. <laughs> you know, like you go there that. one day and then the next day they're not. But yes, um, <laughs> it's different. It is different. It That's is different. A, so you've always, it sounds like you've always had a drive then to help people. Is that yes. what yeah, put you into definitely, nursing? Definitely a consistent Um, Yeah, if I could do it all over again, I'd go to school to be a naturopath. Oh. You know, to be able to, yeah, help my kids and their kids all you know heal their their children naturally and my parents and take care of my parents and all that because I do have older parents and I see them in the western medicine Mm -hmm. side of things and it's very disheartening yeah Yeah, it is but yeah anyway that's their path and they're they're happy with it and I just try and lend um, the knowledge that I've picked up along the way but interestingly enough it is a piece of the awe program that oh, I'm really? sharing with um, the mentees. 
And so the A program stands for A is for accountability, mm-hmm. um, W is for whole self care, and E is for environment. So really teaching them about these three aspects and the, the whole self care is teaching them about how their bodies can heal themselves, mm-hmm. how they can you know, have less medical interactions if they're eating right and if they're exercising. Right. All of those things that I've learned since I what became an adult. So like since my 20s when I was yeah. going to have my first child or my early 30s actually when I was going to have my first child, that's when I started learning about more of these natural things that kind of came along mm-hmm. with um, like nursing and and all of those kinds of things and how to treat my kids. Right. So uh, from a more natural aspect. And so how did yeah. you, what put you on that path? Was it having your first child? Or yes. was it? Okay. Yeah. Interestingly enough, it was my ex-husband who oh, introduced really? me. Yes, he, he introduced me to the, the concept of having a home birth. And it was a little late um, because my I was already, uh, you know, like, close to the end of my pregnancy, but we at least can, we were able to connect with the doctors that did home birth that the, at the time. And you were in California? No, this was here. The, okay. Yeah, this is here. It's a place called Home First. Mm-hmm. And some really wonderful doctors, like old school doctors wow. that like just spent all the time that, you know, that you needed with them and uh, really believed in long-term nursing and attachment parenting and all of those wow. wonderful things. And um, you know, they were family doctors. So once we got in there, all of us were in there. So all of us were learning how to treat mm-hmm. ourselves more naturally. Um, yeah. And so I don't want these young adults to have to wait until then, you know, at right. least, you know, for them to have some exposure beforehand, you know, I think could definitely benefit them, especially with all of the incidents of anxiety, mm-hmm. depression, um, all of these things, you know, there's natural things that they could be doing. Yeah. Um, there's a technique called EFT. There's using aromatherapy. All mm. of these things are ways that young adults can learn to help better their um, their health. Yeah, and, just, and even physical activity. Which exactly. can yeah. be hard to do consistently if you're right. depressed. Or... or they might not know that. Yeah, right. There is something, you know, their endorphins and, you know, go out. For a run and you'll see mm-hmm. you'll get that runner's high and you'll see that there's something to that yeah so you know maybe they've been introduced to it maybe they just need to hear it from people who've actually experienced it mm-hmm. um, maybe you know there are there fortunately there are a lot of people that have healed themselves uh, more naturally like from cancer you know instead right. of going the traditional route yeah. and they're around to tell about it so so we were saying earlier how it can be hard for people to connect with this age group. Mm-hmm. How do you find you connect? Because I feel like one one reason it's hard to connect with that age group, because I have sisters that are 18 and 22, mm-hmm. and one reason is because they see through like all the bullshit right away, and so for a lot of adults, mm-hmm. they feel like they're not speaking the truth or they're telling yes. them what they think they should be told. Right. Right, and maybe that is part of uh, my personality. I'm very transparent, yeah. very authentic, mm-hmm. very real. Um, most people get what I'm, where I'm coming from at any time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know that some of the feedback I've gotten from some young adults I've worked with is that they do sense that. They do sense right that I'm really, that I'm real, that I'm not bullshitting, mm-hmm. that I'm not 
like making stuff up to make them feel better. I'm not trying to appease them or be cool to them because mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm a 53-year-old woman. I'm not supposed to be cool to them. Right. I want to be seen as being wise and being not a know-it-all, but um, having been a person who's experienced some of the things that they're experiencing mm-hmm. And I'm here to tell them, you know, listen, listen to people that care about you. Mm-hmm. Don't just brush them off and be, and be appreciative that somebody cares enough to talk with you right. and to take time to want to invest in your life instead yeah. of just blowing them off because you think they don't know what they're talking about. And I feel like that appreciation of the people around you that care about you, I feel that comes later too. Like it's a, it's part of maturing. Exactly. You know, especially once you have a kid of your own or something, you Mm -hmm. realize like, oh yeah, my mom was trying to help me this whole time. Exactly. So how do you find, well, if you're, you're truthful and you're honest, it's obviously you're making a connection with these kids, but, Mm -hmm. um, do you find that they're like receptive to it and they're yeah some of them are and i think um what i'm finding is it's helpful if there's like a connection if there's a connector person Mm. so if you know somebody and you know me and Mm. you really trust me and you know what i'm about then a connection of connecting me with them or Mm -hmm. some one of our mentors or organization it's kind of like referrals. It's just like business. Yeah. You know, if you get referred from somebody specifically, you're more likely to at least listen to them. Right. Right. And um, with young adults, you know, I know if there's any listening, you know, it's, you know, they hate hearing that their brains are not done growing right. until their mid twenties, you know? Yeah. So you, you know, they have to just realize that they don't know everything. But at the same time, there's part of their brain, and I forgot, I think it's called the amygdala, that, um, that also is kind of messed up. So they don't, they're, they're, they're not as afraid to take risks. Right. So they just take risks. I did. Mm-hmm. Oh, I did yeah. some crazy stuff that I can't believe that I ever mm-hmm. did. And I would never try now or do yeah. now. But they're just in that state of, woo, whatever. I can just do anything. I can... You know, so why not use it for good? Why not point it in a direction of something that's healthy and taking a risk in in a positive direction? Because you can still fulfill that need, Mm -hmm. but in a positive way. Exactly. So do you want to elaborate on some of the crazy stuff you've done? (laughs) (laughs) You want to share any? I will just say that one thing that I am like horribly shameful of is driving after I've drunk. Mm, Yeah. I'm and of doing that. not just drinking, you know, one drink, mm-hmm. you know, like driving home from downtown after having many drinks mm-hmm. to the suburbs. And it's like, oh, dear, like there's no way, mm-hmm. you know, actually, I, you know, for our family, uh, we do not drive even if we've had one drink, which we don't really drink very much yeah. anyway. Or if we drink um, like wine or something it's in, in our home right so that's just our standard we don't let our kids get in cars with anyone who's had even yeah. one drink because god forbid something happened not because they were drinking but yeah. just because something happened um you know we wouldn't want them to be in a position of regret or right. 
you know, of anything. So anyway, that's just kind of our standard. So and now I they have that's Uber, the like, and that's what I tell oh, my right. sisters. Like, there's no excuse. You yeah, have exactly. Uber. So how are right. you? Like, how are you even getting in the car with somebody? Exactly. You just use the app. Like, I didn't have that. <laughs> right. And there were no apps. There were no apps. <laughs> and when we were in high school, and then when we went to college, we were like. When we would come home on college break, I never called my mom for a ride until I was like over the age of 21. Mm-hmm. I mean, and we had been going to parties in high right. school and all that right. stuff, but that was Your the first time. Your brain had grown. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we were like, oh, this is free. And it's our mom's. Like, right. She knows where all of my friends live, you know? So then it was so funny because it, we were like, I mean, even after college, I think we had all graduated and it was, we all moved back. There was like one year that all, we had all come back home for mm-hmm. after college and we just all like we're calling our moms and they'd take turns like we were like five like okay I'll drop them off if you're gonna pick right. them up right. like <laughs> because it, they were probably so happy yeah. that you were you had the maturity to do yes. that now yeah. did they want you out drinking right you know, until and getting totally drunk yeah not, but no. no but I think as parents too I, and that's kind of what prompted me to start the nonprofit finally, because it's been on my heart for a long time, is seeing my own children become young adults and seeing the decisions that they're making and seeing that they're not listening to me, even though we've been very close right. and open. Yes. There's something about somebody else talking to them. Yes. And I think that's when you said, like, how do I connect? Well, first of all, I'm not their mom. Yes. You know, I'm not their parent. That's a good point. So sometimes they look at me and I could say exactly the same thing their parent might mm-hmm. say, but they listen to me. Yeah. So there's just something to be said about being a mentor, you know, just mm-hmm. walking alongside with the parents because obviously their parents have, you know, their best interest in mind yeah. even more than I do. Right. Right. And there's a level of trust that comes with those relationships mm-hmm. because I'm even I'm so much older, especially than my younger sister, mm-hmm. that like the sister that's in between us is almost more of a mother figure to her. So she will like she talks to both of us right. and they're close with their mom, of course, but she will like call or text me about right. certain things that I know she doesn't bring up to them. Right. Because there's a level of like openness and trust there. Mm-hmm. And not, I mean, and they're all like, they all get along and they all have great relationships, right. but there's right. just something about like, I'm just far enough removed because I didn't grow up in their house uh, and we have different moms. Ah, oh, I see. Yeah. So, so you're I'm, that mentor, yeah. that natural mentor. Exactly. Yes. And yes, that's not their, you know, not their mom. And right. Somebody that they trust and they can see your, yeah. you know, thriving adult and yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think it's important too, to be able to articulate like when you've made mistakes. So if you can mm. be honest with someone of that age, like, or just the other weekend, I drank too much at a family party and they were all there. And so mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, well, I'm still human. Like right. I may, you know, like <laughs> great. Right. I set a good example 90% of the time, but <laughs> like, you know, exactly. We are, you know, exactly. Even as mentors, we're not perfect. Right. And I think the more seasoned or the more effective yeah. mentors, it's, is because they've come from something similar. Right. So, um, for example, this month is, in September oh, yeah. is um, Suicide Awareness mm-hmm. Month. And so um, I want to focus some of my writing, like on my blog or in, in Facebook, 
um, on the awareness of suicide because there may be people walking around that have tried to commit suicide mm -hmm. as a young person or even as a, a little bit older um, young adult and other people don't know as in the case with myself mm -hmm. um, the first time I attempted suicide was I was 15 oh my gosh and then um, and to be honest, I don't think it was taken very seriously. It was kind of just brushed off. Did I you tell your mom? Or my did mom she, was there. She was there. My mom was there, yes. And my brother-in-law actually was the person who saved my life. Oh, my you God. You know, because he had been a medic, so he was aware of how to make me get rid of the pills from my system. And, yeah. and then that was it. It was like, okay, let's, we just carry on from there. Like, oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah, I'm still really sad. <laughs> I don't want to try that again. But what do we, you know, because I think now if that were to happen, I would be hospitalized right away. Yeah. And I think back then maybe that's just, you know, that was quite a while ago. So it wasn't as mandatory. So now I, they do take it seriously. They right. put you, you know, they have you um, go into a program. Well, there are steps, but that doesn't mean the parents treat it any differently in some cases exactly yeah. like you, you could you know, come and it home could to be the out hospital of and yes not... it could be out of fear yeah it could be out of um just not understanding how someone got to that point right. um yeah it's just sometimes parents not knowing what to do so yeah. luckily there are some organizations um you know quite a few organizations around that that work um, specifically on suicide awareness. Yeah. So that's that's great. Obviously, now there's a month, you know, right. it's a big enough issue. And unfortunately, I think I read um, a statistic recently that it's the second highest cause of death within the young adult ages. Wow. And what people have discovered, I think, I'm sure through research, is that there are two different kinds of suicide. One is more of the impulsive suicide, mm -hmm. which is what I was trying. But then I got older and I was in a very similar situation of being upset. And again, I tried it, but I was in my 20s. I was in my late 20s. Oh my God. So again, this is a reason why the range that I feel, you know, my heart is really wanting to assist is the ages between the teens and the 20s. Because until you get into those 30s, you're not. You know, you don't really hear about, um, I don't know, it's, it's just more prevalent that yeah. the young adults, that's the age that they're are trying, they, are, are not handling uh, reality as well. Yeah. I wonder, but, but then when you think about like all of, all the celebrities recently that have committed suicide, mm. they're mm. all over 30. Yes, that's true. It's true. I mean, like anyone yes. like that comes to mind. Yes. And so it's like. Maybe maybe if you can catch them when they're younger and give them the tools to deal with it. Exactly. So now a lot of people are talking more about mental health and yeah. the, how it not being a stigma. You know, mm -hmm. like I said, there's not probably not many people that knew that I tried to commit suicide twice in my life. It's not yeah. something I'm proud of. But why I'm bringing it up is to help these young adults say, you know what, I've been there. Right. And for me, what it took for me to stop was to realize that my life was not my own. Mm. I had become a Christian and I had mm -hmm. given my life over to Christ. So it kind of like took that option out, mm -hmm. but I was also closer to my thirties. Right. You know? So it was more of a, um, a psychological decision. Yeah. Like, okay, this is not an option anymore. Yeah. Like you don't get to, you don't, you know, there's a reason you were saved twice. Right. How you did know? you get saved the second time? 
The second time was by paramedics. Oh, really? Yes, that people um, that were close to me knew that I was kind of not in a very good state of mind. And so they called the paramedics and they were able wow. to come and save me. Yes, thank God. And yeah. Wow. That, and the, both of those times, well, obviously the first one, but the second one was before your children, right? Yes. Okay. Yes, they were both before my children. And that, again, that, you know, that can give a different perspective, hopefully. Right. There's no way that that I could think about that. But, like, when you're talking about mental, some of the mental illnesses, mm -hmm. you know, I don't think that there's this logical decision, like, yeah, no, I right. can't think about it. Yeah. yeah. I think that there's other factors that do play into it. Looking back now, do you see any patterns between the two of those times, like, leading up to it, where you, like, yes. now you can recognize those things? Yes, yes. And I think part of, for me, my path that depression or that sadness came from um, unresolved issues with my dad oh. that I needed to work through. Yeah. And later in my 20s is when I was like, okay, I really need to, you know, and I got professional help and, mm -hmm. um, and worked through some of those issues of not feeling of value or, mm -hmm. you know, and, which was not the case. You know, my dad obviously loved me, just... I needed to just work through my own thoughts right. of this, um, that situation. And after doing that, then I was able to have more stable relationships mm -hmm. with men mm -hmm. because both of those situa situations were based on rejection oh, really? or sadness over a relationship. Oh, yes. yeah. So, yeah, that was the pattern. Mm -hmm. um, and... You know, something else that I really feel is important for me to share with young adults is about dating and yeah. um, and recognizing um, recognizing that you're not seeing the value of yourself. Oh, for not sure. Not being in awe of yourself, yeah. right? So if you don't see the value of yourself, other people won't see the value. Mm -hmm. And so when I was 15, around that same time, uh, previous to that, um, suicide attempt I had been hit by my first boyfriend at 15 at 15 he had knocked my teeth out holy shit and I lied I lied to my family I stood up for him because I didn't want him to go to jail because he was 18 he? Oh, okay. he was 18 wow. so I knew that you know I knew enough of that situation that he would go to jail and I was stupid enough to be worried about that to protect him <laughs> to protect in that him. situation yes and that's you know that comes innately it's just really strange how when we care about somebody we can be them. willing to protect mm -hmm. them even when they're hurting us mm -hmm. so i think that's an important message to get out to young girls mm -hmm. young boys too you know the same thing can happen you know there's it goes both ways yeah so um again that's another piece of sharing my story with young adults too and i think that like first was that like your first real relationship yes mm -hmm. that first real relationship and how that goes can really set up mm -hmm. like if you're dealing with your daddy issues which most people have at some especially a lot of women um it's to some point and then you can get into this relationship like those two things will affect your relationships for the rest of your life exactly until you face them head on my high school boyfriend um, well, one thing he did, just one, mm -hmm. was drove my car into the front of my... I think he was high on coke at the time. Like, oh I was 17, and I used to let him borrow my car. And I had, like, just gotten this car, and he came to pick me up from work. 
and he drove into the front of the building. And I just remember standing there watching like, oh my what is he doing? <laughs> and somehow he managed to get in between the two panel windows. So he like didn't break anything. Right. There was a dent on the building, but my car, my poor little <laughs> Ford Escort was d like destroyed, you know? And I had to pay half of that car. Like I worked for that car and I paid for it. I paid for right. the gas, I paid for the insurance. Right. Like, and I had to go home and tell my mom mm -hmm. that I pulled, I just happened to step on the gas mm -hmm. and drive mm -hmm. instead of reverse. Mm -hmm. And why do you think you did that? To protect him, right. because I wanted to still hang out with him. Right, and I knew and we knew. <laughs> right, if we said this, yes, then we would be banned from seeing exactly. them ever again. Right. That would have been the best decision. It would have been the best, <laughs> and my mom knew, and my dad knew, and I don't remember at what age, like we finally had that conversation. Right. But right, you know, and I'm sure that my mom and my dad talked about because they, my parents divorced. So, mm -hmm. but I'm sure that was one of the things they were like, yeah, she's saying her that she did it. And like no one believed me. Yeah. But I guess as a parent in that situation, like what can you do? Like it was my car. Right. I had right. to drive it like that. After that, I couldn't take it on the highway. Yes. Because I couldn't go over <laughs> 60 miles an hour. You physically couldn't. I take know. It. I couldn't. It was you know like that's where your own boundaries. Oh my god, it was so terrible. And exactly, I mean, and I think even and I hope that you know if you ever decide to have children that you can be open with them yeah and because i've been very open with my children since you know obviously when they were at appropriate age to right. have these conversations right to say like hey this is what i did mm -hmm. it was not i'm not proud of it but this is what i did and i hope that you never do that i yeah. hope that's why i'm telling you i hope that you hear this and understand right. what could happen do you ever think that they're gonna say well like you survived it. You did it. You survived it. Like that's like when people we react to their parents telling them not to do drugs or whatever. Right. Well, you did. Right. Yeah, you're right. But you could not. You know. Right. Yeah. I mean, in these and drugs are different. Like, yeah. Right. Or smoking like, weed is a little different than you know. Well, but. and they're different now. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just like our food. Oh yeah. <laughs> our food is different because of the environment. Yeah. So the drugs are different because of the environment. And they've gone up a notch, you know, right. like, like I didn't know of anyone taking heroin when I was younger. Yeah. I knew of drugs, but I didn't know anything about heroin. And so to hear that, you know, there are schools in Neighborville that are riddled with heroin so addicts easy. or like heroin dealers that, yeah, it's just scary. You, there's no going back from that. You yeah. know, the fact that you could be addicted from one incident of heroin is just horribly terrifying. You know, that's just a, it's always been like the scariest drug to me because it just destroys everybody's life. Yeah. Like what well, I was yeah. telling you about the um, earlier guests I had on the podcast and the one mm -hmm. that we you can't really listen to because it's hard to hear. But anyway, <laughs> but it's uh, there. It's there. If you can struggle through it. But her dad was addicted and then her pregnant sister, too. And then mm -hmm. just the toll it took on. Her life and their life, like they had to completely start over. I mean, thank God everybody's okay in that situation. Right, right. right. The baby and, is not you know, addicted. And, you know, I believe God uses everything for good mm -hmm. and He can bring good from every situation. So all I'm trying to do is go along with Him and see if, you know, m the things that He saved me from myself. Right. <laughs> 
He saved me for yeah. a reason. I'm here for a reason. Yeah. And if I can do anything to help keep chaos down, to keep a young adult alive, mm-hmm. to keep, um, to give a young adult hope, you know, in something bigger right. and not just in this moment of time. Yeah. The bigger perspective, that's definitely a gift of mine of really trying to show people the perspective, the big picture, mm-hmm. so that they can focus on that instead of this little minuscule situation that's going on. Yeah, and I think when you're so young, especially if it has to do with a relationship, like that can consume your whole world. And so it is hard to think about the big picture. Um, So how did you come to, I know like through your faith, you've discovered you had like, so you survived two suicide attempts Mm -hmm. and then through your faith, but how did you get to that point with your faith that you were... Like, realize you had a bigger purpose. Well, I think it was a long... It, well, it was definitely a long process. Okay. It's, you know, it started with my mom. I was raised Catholic, mm-hmm. and she had me baptized, and she had a strong faith. So I obviously learned that from my family background. But when I was 19, um, I moved out to California for about six years. And while I was out there, I really felt an urge to be connected to some kind of mm-hmm. faith or church. And so I would... Um, it's kind of funny I had this weird obsession with Hare Krishnas like ever since I was young (laughs) I think I just liked the repetitiveness of their their music or something Mm -hmm. I don't know what it was but I didn't think they would let me in for some reason I didn't see any Mexican Hare Krishnas I don't know if no That's idea hilarious. if it's a race thing or what. <laughs> anyway, so I didn't identify that. I didn't think they would let me right. in. Right. <laughs> that wasn't for you. <laughs> and um, plus they, I, yeah. Anyway, so I just started exploring myself around, you know, my early 20s and started um, just visiting churches and non-denominational churches. Yeah. I didn't feel drawn to staying in the Catholic background. and Most, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't want to say most. I feel like a lot of people that I know that were raised Catholic um, do not right. stay Catholic. Right. It's it's a it's a specific faith, and if you're not in alignment with right. it, you know you can move on. We do have that choice, and so I did, and I just explored different, um, not so much faiths, but um, more different kinds of churches. Mm-hmm. So I I settled on the non-denominational. They were very open and accepting, and um, yeah. So that's kind of where my path started, and then. Uh, you know, obviously, as I got older, I was still struggling. You know, I was really wanting to walk that path, mm-hmm. but you know, I was still not making great decisions and still kind of in my own mess. Mm-hmm. And then um, I think the second time that I tried to commit suicide was the point where I'm like, okay, I give, I'm done. I'm yeah. not going to do this. I'm not going to, I can't handle this on my own. Right. I do need, I really do need to understand what this means. And that's really when my faith walk started and, and just has evolved. continued. Yes. Mm-hmm. So how, at what point did you start or did you feel like you were able to give back to other people, like to share your story? Because I feel like there's a certain level of mm. like self-care and self-love that has to be achieved before you can like go then and help other people. And maybe not. Maybe you can walk that journey together, but there are different phases. Then. Yeah. No, I think it really has started with my children. Oh, okay. with sharing, you know, my experiences, with sharing my fears, with sharing, um, you know, all those things. And you know what? The sad news is, is that your kids can go and do something completely different completely horrific yeah right (laughs) and you could just go wow i didn't think of that (laughs) 
Oh my gosh. Is it true that your kids are gonna come back like worse than you were? Uh, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that whole thing oh, no. that your mom probably tells you yeah. about like, oh, just wait. Just yeah, wait. Yeah, exactly. Well, it happens. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I feel like that happened to my mom for sure with me. It happens. Yeah. <laughs> but the good news is that, you know, just like we did, they mature they get through you, it. you start seeing this you know I am seeing this little glimpse I have three older stepdaughters and they are obviously you know older they're moms some of them are moms they're in their 30s so they they really do respect me and they make me feel loved mm -hmm. and respected because they they can see it they're older right. they get it and whereas my 19 year old is coming around the bend mm -hmm. and She's not perfect, still making decisions that I may not agree with, but she is starting to appreciate them, yeah. what I did for her and starting just to appreciate different aspects mm -hmm. of our relationship. And the fact, I think the biggest thing that I'm, that I hope she realizes, and I think, she, I believe she does appreciate is that I'm there to listen to her no matter what, mm -hmm. no matter, like no matter what, mm -hmm. I'm there to listen to her. And to love her. Yeah. Right. And I'm sure she does. I feel, and that's one thing with my mom. Like, I always knew whatever the situation was, I could call her. One time I called her, and I was driving my high school boyfriend. Peach of <laughs> a human being. Yeah. To, we won't name any names. Mm -mm. <laughs> no. Um, to the hospital, because my car had gotten shot, like, more than ten times. Oh, my God. And the first thing I did was call my mom. Uh-huh. Even though I knew right. I was going to be in... So I feel like you start that... And I know my sisters would be the same way. Right. They'd call my stepmom. And my right. brother's the same way. So like, even though like my mom still put the fear of God in me, like I'm going to get in trouble. But the first yeah. thing she wants to do is make sure that I'm safe. Yeah, it's like... It's kind of like instilling in them, like, you're probably still going to have a consequence, but call me anyway. Yes. Because it'll be worse if you don't. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and worse of a consequence. You realize at some point that your mom is always going to find out. Like, there's oh, no exactly. point in lying to your mom. I don't know what age. I'm sure it's different for everyone. Oh, yeah. No, and it continues. You know, yeah. I tell my 19-year-old, my mommy sense is telling me something's wrong. Yeah. Can you please just tell me? Let's not play this game. Right. Let's, Let's just do and it. She'll be like, oh, my gosh, just shut off your mommy sense. Or she'll say, if it's about somebody else that she yeah. knows, she'll be like, you're not their mom. You don't need to have your mommy yeah. sense on. I'm like, I can't help it. It seems to transfer. It does. I don't think you can turn it on or off. Like, no. once it's on, then your mommy sense, that's it. No matter who's in the yeah. room. Yeah. And I think one thing that helps with that level of appreciation of your mom is, like, if you go away to college or if your does your daughter live in California? Um, she was for a period of time. So yes. if you go off on your own and then you start making friends or hanging out or even in high school, you hang out with people and you see like maybe their mom is not oh, yes. as caring yes. or not as loving or not it's as involved. Yeah. yeah. And everyone She's has different, different levels. Yeah. But then that'll make you appreciate mm -hmm. your home life. Right. You know, right. once you start interacting with other people. Exactly. Yeah. My son just said to me yesterday, he's like, Thank you, Mom, for raising me the way you have. And I'm like, I'm not even going to ask. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. That's good. I don't need to know why. Yeah. You're I welcome. think my mom, I think that's something moms have to learn as their kids grow up. It's like kids learn appreciation. Moms learn to stop asking oh, questions. Yeah. Right. Exactly. You don't want to know, probably. <laughs> You'll find out if it's yeah, important. Exactly. Yes. They'll call you. They'll let you know. Yes. Yeah, It'll come so out funny. in the wash. Right. <laughs> 
<laughs> it always does. Oh, my poor mom. Oh, yeah. I'm glad you're appreciating your mom right now. Yes. If anything came out of this podcast, I hope that people appreciate their moms. Yeah. Just And then when you get... So I... Okay, we're getting... We'll wrap it up shortly. But like I'm to the age now where some of my friends' moms have passed away mm. and so that'll be that's like a whole other level then of appreciation right of your mom's. right or like your parents are still alive right yes now. yes my my dad is nine gonna be 94 and my mom's gonna be 88 so i'm yeah. very fortunate and my grandparents just passed away in the past couple of years mm. and so that too it will make you appreciate like the Definitely. the long-term relationships that yes. you have with them yes and you hope that people you know people tell me all the time i'm so lucky that i still have my mom and they're right you know yeah. so i do really focus on that and do whatever i can you know for both of them and mm-hmm. to be there for them as long as they're around yeah yeah because it is nice mm-hmm. and if you know and your kids too to have their grandparents Definitely. for that long i mean so i had all four of my well six if you count my stepmom's parents mm-hmm. but all six of my grandparents into until I was like 23, I think. Oh, that's great. So, you know, yeah. I was able to establish like yeah. good relationships with them. Yeah, because I didn't, I probably, well, my grandmothers actually lived to 103 and 96. Oh my gosh. So <laughs> they were around that's a bit crazy. longer. But not my grand, my not my grandfather's. I lost my grandfather with, around when I was 10, both of them. So, oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> didn't know them, but yeah. those grandmas hang in there for a long They're time. They're tough. <laughs> Mexican, yeah. Old Mexican ladies exactly, are tough. Exactly, I guess it's yeah I guess it's all of that like I tell my parents you know they had a really good foundation of food for like their first 50 years you yeah know, before all this stuff started coming into their food so I think that's why they're you know. yeah and maybe that's and if you think about I don't know where your family um lived but like my grandma especially my dad's mom mm-hmm. the Mexican side of my family like they oh, that's worked right. I keep forgetting yeah. that you're Mexican <laughs> They worked hard. I mean, they lived right. on a ranch, and so right. she was physically active. They yes. were eating off their land. Like, yes. Yeah, yeah so it's a different... A big, yes, it's a huge... My grandmother actually had 12 kids, oh so, you know, and that she was raising by herself, um, you know, for a good number of years, and she didn't get married, remarried until they were older. Wow. So, because her husband had died, so... Um, I'm sure that that put a lot of grit into her and grit. Yeah, yeah that's grit. the perfect. Yeah. And yeah, because my my stepmom's mom had twelve kids, mm. and they grew up um, in the middle of nowhere in Mexico too, uh-huh. La Loma. Is oh, super okay. small. And then my dad's mom had, I think, eight. And then um, my mom's mom had seven. Right. Yeah, and she didn't work full time until my mom's the youngest until my mom was in kindergarten. So she right. was a stay at home mom right. for the majority of the time. Yeah, that's awesome. It's, yeah. it's great to have a large family. My grand, just to think that my grandmother, my one little grandmother, has over at least six hundred descendants oh in our family gosh. tree on that side. From one little lady, it's you know, crazy. <laughs> that I could barely speak to because she only spoke Spanish. But yeah, it just to it's just crazy. Yeah, yeah, and that's how when we think about our family too. A lot of my um, aunts and uncles on my dad's side, they a lot of them have like ten, right, right. Yeah, some of ours had some yeah. of my aunts had fifteen, twelve kids, right. <laughs> they called my mom. They told my mom she was lazy because she only had three. <laughs> But you see all the work it takes, yeah. all the mouths you have to feed. 
Indeed. Well, and I think the difference is too, it's kind of interesting, is that my mom was one of the few that got, got away from the city because they were oh. always kind of born in the city and raised there. And um, What city was that? Chicago. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, but my dad, you know, moved us out to the suburbs mm. to Clarendon Hills and not many Mexicans there. So yeah. yeah, I think maybe she didn't have that same pressure or something. I'm not sure. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. Did she work full time? She worked um, when I got older and I was in school okay. and she worked at the coolest place called Dispenses um, Kitty Castle of Toys. Whoa. Yeah. It cool. was so cool. It was actually like a store that was in the shape of a castle. I worked there too later on when I was older <laughs> because it was just so cool. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, so we got like the best toys. And, you know, at least I did because my sister and brother were a lot older than I was. So. Yeah. Wow, fun. <laughs> I benefited from that. That's great. Well, I feel yeah. like... So I think we've gotten totally off topic. Now. Yeah. No, there really is no topic. <laughs> no topic. Like, we went everywhere. It was great. I forgot that when we met, we were going to talk about... I think we were going to talk about being Mexican. I know. We have to do another podcast yeah. <laughs> about being Mexican, but not really being Mexican. Right. Like, and not speaking like, Spanish. Right. Not speaking Spanish. Mm-hmm. And how like I'm the Mexican who really does not like Mexican food. And everyone yeah. around me wants to eat Mexican food. Oh, but I love Mexican See? food. But I'm the white girl at all the Mexican parties. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. And then, you know. That could be an, another one. Yeah, exactly. Yes. The next one. Awesome. Well, that right. was great. Thank yeah, you. Thank you. So fun.